Calvary Church is located in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, and is committed to impacting that community with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Each week, one of our preaching team draw powerful life application truths from the Bible. Check us out here or online at calvaryptbo.church. Matthew 2, 1-12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was born to be. Sorry, where the Messiah was born to be. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for all of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people in Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you heard him, as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king had sent, they, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was born. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the, the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And, and after having... And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You may be pleased to know, I'm ahead of schedule. Uh-huh, I've already, it's my, my wife's birthday in a couple of days, and so, uh, so I've already got her birthday gift, which is a day ahead of schedule. But I actually got her Christmas gift at the same time. I'm ahead of schedule. Guys, I will not be shopping with you on the 24th, all right? I am done. And, uh, and I'm excited. Now I just have to wrap them. And, and, uh, and so don't let her know. She's not here this morning. But don't let her know that I already finished because she'll get me, you know, going back to the mall shopping for something else. I hate the mall. I absolutely hate the mall. And, uh, and so anyways, but I'm, I'm ahead of schedule. Now, now I hope, I, hope it, it, it's, I think it was pretty easy this year finding the gifts for my wife. She was pretty clear, and, uh, and she used my daughter to communicate really clearly to me what it is was on her wish list. And so I, it, was almost, it was almost so clear that it was like, I want Inspector 38 monitoring my gift before it gets to the store. Yeah, it was, it was very specific. And so, so anyway, so I, I picked what I think was on her wish list. And, but, you know, as, as much as that's good, I also know that I've been in this situation before where I thought I picked the right gift. And I thought what I got her was on her wish list, only to have her open it and the, the, the look that I was hoping for wasn't quite there. I don't know if you've experienced that before, but I know that there are moments where I've bought gifts for my wife, and she has been a little underwhelmed. The hype did not produce. 
Speaking of, of hype, did you guys know, I'm sure you, I'm sure you all are aware of on December 7th that the Avengers, the new Avengers movie, the trailer came out. And you probably have already been online seeing it. Like, it's pretty exciting. Avengers is coming out with another video or another movie. Isn't that exciting? I don't get it. I'm not, I'm not really an Avengers type of person. I know that there's, uh, you know, there's Marvel and there's DC and Superman doesn't associate with Ant-Man and Ant-Man doesn't associate with Spider-Man and Spider-Man with Iron Man. And, oh, there's a lot of mans out there. All I know is that they're all in different worlds somewhere and they're all colliding and they don't collide and it's weird. I don't get it. I, but there's a lot of hype that goes up around these these movies, and I have a couple in my house that are ex super excited about the new Avengers movie coming out in the springtime. But for me, I go to these movies or I watch these movies and I feel a little underwhelmed as I leave. The hype really doesn't produce for me what I was hoping to have out of the movie. You know, I think we, we sometimes go through life like that. You know, we get super hyped up, we get super excited about a new job, only to find after we get into the job, it's not quite what we wanted, we are underwhelmed. Could be a, a, could be a marriage. You know, you're super excited and you're amped up on your wedding day, but within weeks, maybe even hours, after the wedding you realize, mm, not quite what I was anticipating, a little underwhelming. I actually think for some people, their experience with Jesus has been a little underwhelming. You know, as a, as a follower of Christ, I like to, to hype up my relationship with Jesus because I think it's overwhelming, not underwhelming, I think it's overwhelming. But for some they see followers of Jesus acting as if Jesus is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And they kind of try it out only to realize that they're thinking, ah, it's a little, he's a little underwhelming. The Magi were like that, I, I think. I kind of kind of want to look at that today if I can. Now, now we're all familiar with the story. Uh, of Christmas to a certain extent you know there's Mary and there's Joseph and there's the little baby Jesus in a manger and and then there's the shepherds with the towels on their head and there's the uh, these wise men or these three kings or these magi people and there's angels but anyways there's there's these these magi we, we don't really know what to call them it's a little little bit up for debate as to what we call these guys are they magi are they kings are they are they wise men? We, we're not really sure. Here's, it's pretty vague with, with, the, with the story. All we, here's what we know in the book of Matthew. Matthew's the only one who records the Magi coming to see Jesus. And, and he says that, one, they're, they're from the east. Now, where is that? Is that the Orient? Is that just across the, the Jordan River? We're not 100% certain as to how far east they are, but they're from the east. We know that there are three gifts gold frankincense and myrrh so to, but then does that mean there are only three wise men or three kings well the song seems to indicate that we three kings of orient are bearing gifts we traverse afar fields and fountains 
Yeah, so you guys know that. Some of you know that, that song, that carol. Brian was right. We are singing. Where'd he go? Brian was right. We are singing more carols today. That was good. That was good. Anyways. So we, we know that there are three gifts, but that doesn't mean there are three wise men or three magi. There could have been two. There could have been 12. We, we don't really know. So it's a lot of mystery around these people. So why are they so important? Why, why did Matthew want to bring this story out? Well, I think, I think we can understand in a broader picture, I think they don't even realize their value and, and the role that they played in the Christmas story. God was trying to make a, a broad, broad point by bringing the Magi in. But the Magi, I don't know if they fully understood what was going on. The term Magi, it can mean many, many different things. It can mean high pagan spiritual leaders. It can mean kings. It can mean magicians, astrologers, philosophers. They had a bunch of different uses. In the Old Testament, when we look at the life of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, and, uh, and read through his book, this was under the time when, uh, when the Israelites were under captivity, under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar actually picked Daniel, this Hebrew, as well as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he put them in his group of magi because they had this ability to interpret dreams. So the magi's role was really that of uh, taking and giving wisdom or insight from the gods to, uh, to the leader or the ruler of the day. It was also not uncommon for Magi to have some kind of a royal status. In fact, according to some commentators, Isaiah chapter 60, they believe is a reference to the Magi described here in Matthew chapter 2, where it says in verse 3, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In verse 6 it says, and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. One writer says, first century naturalist Pliny, the elder, wrote several chapters about magi, wherein they sound more like something from a Harry Potter novel. He details their skill in magic arts, including pouring boiled earthworms in the ear to cure a toothache. So there's a variety of uses of the term magi. But regardless of who these magi were, what exactly did they come from? Or where exactly did they come from? Or what was, what was the whole point? The magi had on their wish list, their Christmas wish list, to meet a new king. God specifically reached out to these pagan magi through some supernatural occurrence. And he revealed to them that the king of the Jews had been born in Israel. They'd been reading the stars. They'd been watching carefully for any movement, looking for the gods to speak to them through the stars. Many have tried to rationalize this occurrence through natural phenomenon, whether it be a comet or a, the alignment of planets or some other kind of super or natural occurrence but whether it was natural and natural phenomenon which i don't think it was i actually do think it was a supernatural phenomenon regardless these magi saw something that was unreal and they knew it was the birth of the king of the jews they knew it 
So they did what was commonplace for their time. They set out to find this king and to bring him some gifts. So being respectful as they were, they approached the ruler of the people first. That was Herod. Herod was, uh, was from Rome. He was appointed as king over Israel in, in 37 BC. He wasn't, wasn't Israelite. He wasn't Jewish. He was, he was Roman. But he was appointed king. Now, even though he had this title as king, that didn't mean that he was ultimate ruler. There was still Caesar in Rome that, that oversaw and reigned over all of the, the known area at the time. But he gave the title of king to Herod for that area. So after their awkward meeting with, with Herod, they experienced this other supernatural occurrence. This time the star that they had saw in the east began to guide them to Bethlehem specifically and to the place where the king of the Jews was living. Now just talk about hype for a second. That's some kind of movie trailer if you're asking me. You know, these wise men are out looking at the stars, gazing at the stars, and all of a sudden this phenomenon happens. Then they, in the midst of this, realize, whoa, there's a new king in Jerusalem. It was pretty exciting. And then they go to Israel, they go to Jerusalem, and then, and then this star reappears to them again and leads them and guides them to Bethlehem. Now I'm telling you, if I had a moment like that, I'm expecting something pretty cool to happen. There's a lot of hype in the midst of this moment. And they get to Bethlehem and they find the place where the baby is lying or the baby is, is stationed and they worship him. Now, now just as an aside here, some want to, uh, some want to, to make it a seem, and I, and I assume at least, and I know why this happens, because, you know, as our kids will act out next Sunday night on December the 16th, they're going to act out the, the, the scene, I'm a, I would assume, the Christmas story. And what's going to happen? They're going to have a nativity scene, and the baby Jesus is still going to be in the manger, and there's going to be shepherds, and they're going to come and worship, and who's going to be coming behind them? The wise men, with their gifts, to the nativity scene. The reality is, he ain't there. Jesus is already, at some point along the way here, this is probably within two years of Jesus' birth, that the, the Magi actually arrive to where Jesus was. So he's already in a home, and in fact, we were, it, it appears that, that Joseph established his family in Jerusalem, and they kind of took up residency there, made it home for them. And so they're actually living and working and doing what they needed to do for the homestead in Bethlehem. So he, he, when the wise men get there, he ain't, he ain't in, the, in the stable anymore. But we often sometimes see that happen. So when they finally got to Jesus, the family's already in the home, and they, they arrive and they present their gifts. And they probably even stayed for some time, a day or two. And I, I love the way that, uh, that Matthew describes their expectation. He says in verse 10, he says, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They, were, they had this, this bigger-than-life expectation. One commentator says, Matthew goes out of his way to emphasize the depths of the Magi's joy. They not only rejoiced, but they did so with a joy that was both great 
and extreme. It was a Hebraism for very great joy. The intensity of their joy in the divine guidance and in seeing the child Messiah is obvious. They were just over the top excited. But yet we drop down to verse 12. They presented the gifts. And then all it says after they worshipped him, it says, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That's it. There's no more talk of the Magi. They're gone. You know, as I was reading through this this past week, as I was studying through it, I, I kind of made me feel that the Magi went away feeling the whole ordeal was bizarre. After this event, they just, they just kind of disappear. I wonder if they got home and, uh, and began having a little dialogue, if they had a little dialogue with their spouse. I wonder if it went something like this. They walk through the door and their spouse says, so tell me, how'd the trip go? Tell me, what, what, what happened? Well, it was... It was weird. Just plain strange. Well, what, do you, what do you mean it was weird? Well, it was like the heavens spoke to us through the stars, telling us that this king was to be born in Israel. So when we got to Jerusalem, we talked to Herod about what was going on, and he even seemed interested and excited about this, this new king. And when we finally arrived to see the child, it was it was just this humble little home in an in obscure little community called Bethlehem. No fanfare, nothing. In fact, even the locals seemed skeptical. They mentioned that the shepherds, there were some shepherds that had come the night that the baby was, was born. And they had this strange encounter that night as well, but, but they're shepherds. So we don't really know if it's true or not. Anyways, they seemed like a nice family. And we presented our gifts like we were supposed to. But we were a little underwhelmed. There was a lot of hype leading up to the arrival, but we expected way more than that. We worshipped with our gifts and, and we, we left them there because we didn't want to offend the gods. But it was just, it was just weird. And then when we were getting ready to leave and we had this other heavenly encounter telling us not to go back to Herod but to come home a different way and, well, so we did. Again, just strange. Really, really strange. Anyways, I guess, I guess we did our duty. So back to life we go. See, these magi kind of remind me, I think, a little bit of, of our society today. This magi's Christmas list was loaded with high expectation for meeting the new king of Israel. And, and to be honest, that's what they got. Yet, they see the baby Jesus and they're a little underwhelmed. 
You know, each year I pray for, for those who come to our, our Christmas Eve service. I know that there are going to be some who will be here. It happens every year. And I expect that it's going to happen again this year. You are going to invite people or people are just going to come because it's Christmas Eve. And so they're going to come to the service. And I know, and I pray every year, because I, I know what happens. We see it too often. People come and they see all the fanfare and they see the excitement that we have going on around here, yet they feel a little underwhelmed after they leave the service. They've come, they've maybe given a little bit of worship, they maybe even gave something in the offering for whatever it is we're collecting for that night, and, and then they go away feeling, you know what, I've done my duty. I've done what I think appeases the gods. I'm, let's go back to normal now. And away they go. So every year I pray for them. Because I want them to experience not an underwhelming Jesus, but an overwhelming Jesus. I invite you to pray with me to that effect. I want people to experience the true and living God for all that he is. Not just a part of who he is, but all that he is. These magi had no idea who this living God was. They had no idea who Jesus was. See, people, Jesus isn't just something to be observed. And marveled at. Jesus is someone to experience. He's someone that we get to interact with. The Magi were worshiping something that they had no concept of the depths of his wisdom and his insight for humanity. In fact, we still, even as followers of Jesus Christ, are only scratching the surface as to who Jesus is. He's so much more than our minds can comprehend. And it's only as we dive deep into who he is with all that we are that we even begin to open the door of who he is. He's so much more. I remember listening to one of my profs back, uh, back years ago. And, uh, and I remember him saying to me at that time, well, he's saying to the class, you know, I, I think I know less now about who God is than when I was in my 20s. And I, I was like, what do you, how, do you, how do you rationalize that? This guy had his doctorate in theology, and, and yet he says, I think I know less today than I did way back then as to who God is. And I, I understand what he means now. Because the more I dive into who Jesus is, the more I study who Jesus is, the more I realize how awesome he is. It's not someone that we just observe. He is someone we interact with. I want you to dive deep into who Jesus is. You know, those who are underwhelmed by Jesus, I think, often see Jesus with a, a wrong lens. I had a conversation with, with someone just yesterday, actually. We were sitting around the table, and, 
and uh, chatting and he's asking me a little bit about what I do and anyways the whole conversation kind of lent its, well, its way down, uh, down a, a great journey and we we're talking about a faith and one of the comments that he made in the midst of our conversation is you know like we we all really just serve the same God and uh, so it really doesn't matter who where you go to worship or anything like that you just you know we all worship the same person and I wasn't quite sure if he was talking about those within different churches within Christianity or, or just all religions in general. And then he made another comment about the fact that, you know, like, and, and as long as you're a good person and you just, you know, try your hardest, you're, you're good to go. And I was like, well, okay, my antennae immediately go up and I'm like, um, can I, can I kind of challenge you on that one a little bit? Had a beautiful opportunity of helping him understand that it's not what we do. You can't earn your way to heaven. It's not how often you go to church or how often you pray or how much money you give or who you help or how nice you are to the lady carrying the big bag of groceries. You know, it, none of that is none of that earns you a place in heaven. It's not about how good you can be or how much you can do. It's about who we are. It's about recognizing that I have to submit all of my life to Christ. And in the submission of my life and my will and my desires, I no longer live for myself, but I live for him. I accept him as Lord and Savior in my life. And when we do that, we have eternal life with him. And out of that, he says, awesome. So if you honestly want me to be Lord of your life, let me mold you, let me shape you, let me help you become the man or the woman that I've called you to be. That's what Christianity is all about. We do only because of who we are. We don't become because of what we do. Does that make sense? If that's something that you wrestle with, I'd love to be able to talk with you more about that because it's, it's a crucial thing you have to understand in terms of a faith. There are some people who come to church year after year after year after year, decades after decades, and they can't figure that out, to be honest. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are in Christ. He accepts us. And, and it's not about who you serve, it's, well, it is about who you serve. Because Jesus is pretty clear on this, and he tells us that if you want to have eternal life, if you want to know the Father, if you want to know God, you can only do so through me, through Christ. And so it's not about what religion you follow and that you're worshiping God somewhere. No, 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 no. It's all about Christ. And worshiping Christ. So when someone comes to Christmas Eve service, or when they come to church on a Sunday, or when they're, we're in a conversation with you, and, and you try and present Christ to them, they sometimes can feel underwhelmed by this supposed Savior of the world. Because they look at it with the wrong lens. They're not seeing him for who he really is. This Christmas season, I want us to portray Christ for who he really is. And I want people to see him for who he really is. I don't want you or anyone else you come in contact with to be underwhelmed with Jesus this Christmas. So let's present all that we are to Jesus in worship. 
and let's go away not underwhelmed, but let's go away overwhelmed as, as we give all that we are to him. And may he reflect off of us so that people, yes, will see the hype because it's true. And they'll come to know him and see him with that perspective as well. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would help us, Lord, reflect you in all we say and do. Jesus, may we not present you with an under, underwhelming fashion, but may we present you for who you really are, and may you overwhelm not just us, but may you overwhelm everyone we come in contact with and have the opportunity to share our faith with this Christmas season. Jesus, you are the best gift we could ever receive. So help us, Lord. Help us today. May we glorify you and praise you, I ask. Kim and the team are going to lead us in, in worship. I want to I challenge you. I challenged, <clears throat> this was a challenge I had last week as well, and, uh, and I want to continue to challenge you over the course of the next couple of weeks. As we lead up to Christmas Eve, as we go through this Christmas season, there is no greater time throughout the whole entire year for us to present our faith with boldness and clarity as in the Christmas season. It's everywhere. And there should be easy opportunity for you to share your faith this Christmas season. So I want you to take some time and I want you to pray with God as Kim leads us in worship. I want you to pray and ask God, God, who is it in my life, in my circle of influence that you want me to share my faith with? Who is it that you want me to present the true gift to this Christmas season? Who is it in my circle of influence that I need to show you for who you really are? Just begin to ponder on the different people in your life and see who God is dropping into your heart. And then I want you to pray for those individuals. Because it may not just be you, maybe it's others around you that are also going to impact them. And so pray for that individual and ask God to bring all those around them from different angles, people of faith, people who have a hope in Christ who are going to help that person understand Jesus for who he really is. Pray for that individual. And then take some time and let's worship God. Worship him with all that we are. And may he flood you with his Holy Spirit today, overwhelming you the greatest gift of all.